welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by lead pastor Robert Herber. For more messages and resources, head to allpeopleschurch.org or download our free All People's app. I am a part of his body. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. have been given a spirit of power, love, and discipline. I choose to believe his dream. You guys ready to jump into the Bible? Well, grab your swords and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I am hoping to see every one of you this weekend at World Mandate West. I got to be a part of the dress rehearsal, and our dance teams are tearing it up. So you don't want to miss that. I expected a little more of a cheer for our unbelievable artistic teams here and Also, such a privilege to have Dana Curry sharing her story about how God delivered her from imprisonment in Afghanistan. She's a dear friend, and it's unbelievable how God used her and then took her around the world sharing that miraculous story. So jump in with us. We're continuing our Building a Healthy Life series this morning, and today I want to talk about how to slay your giant. How to slay your giant. You know, we're fascinated by giants. We were standing in the lobby with a a group of the staff guys this week, and someone started talking about the tallest man in the world. And of course, someone Googled that, and they pulled up this picture of Sultan Kosin, eight foot three, a Turkish farmer. I think we have a picture of him. That is a real picture right there. That's quite a wedding right right there. And, and, you know, if you come from my generation, we all uh, loved Andre the Giant, the... uh, the WWF wrestler turned actor, maybe best known for his role in Princess Bride, right? Stop that rhyming. I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? Right? We, uh, we loved Andre the Giant. And there's so many stories throughout history, so many fables, fairy tales, where the, the nemesis is a giant. And it's because it's a, a biblical truth. And maybe one of the most famous stories in all the Bible is when David fought a giant. David, who were in a series studying his life, fought Goliath, the giant Philistine. And, you know, you might not ever face a real flesh and blood giant unless you're a NFL or NBA player, which actually there was one in the first service, so I, I stood corrected. But We all face different kinds of giants. Maybe it's a health crisis, a financial issue, a relational brokenness. Maybe it's a natural disaster. Maybe it's an addiction or a a personal problem. I, I like to say it this way. Between every Christian and their destiny stands a giant. Between every Christian and the healthy life God's called them to live stands a giant. The enemy 
is determined to put giants in our path to block us from all God has for us. And that's why I love this story about David fighting the giant Goliath, because if we are good students of it, we'll learn keys for how to slay your giant. So we're going to jump in in 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 1. We're going to read a lot of scripture today, so fasten your seatbelts, put on your thinking caps, be ready, you're in church. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched a camp at Ephes Damim between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. So anytime you see a, a location detailed out in scripture, you always want to study the name of it because often it has a prophetic significance. Let me just paint the picture. We got the Philistines that are the bad guys. Say bad guys. And the Philistines were this warmongering people. They specialized in inventing weapons of destruction. They were, they were all about uh, their drunken parties. They're worshiping all kinds of pagan gods, sacrificing children to idols. They were, these were bad people. And they had come to decimate the good guys, the people of God, the, the children of Israel who were trying to, to, to serve the one true God. They're trying to live pure lives. They were trying to honor Jehovah. And so here the Philistines are in Soka. Now, if you look at Soka in Hebrew, it means this, bushy or branches. You know, oftentimes when we look at something, we, we like things to look big. We like things to look full. We like things to look full. I, I, I was at the Coronado Library with my, my kids and my wife. We were taking family pictures. And I looked down and thought, those are the ugliest plants I've ever seen. There were rose bushes, but they were trimmed down to like one branch, like this, right? It's, it's winter right now. And they had been trimmed down to another, and I thought, man, some gardener just made a big mistake. But in a closer look, you find out that that's actually what you need to do to have the most beautiful rose bush. You see, soka means bushy and branches, and oftentimes we think in a worldly way that the, the bigger something is or, or the more branchy it is, the more it's how it's supposed to be on the other side. The, the children of Israel are in the valley of Elah. Now, first of all, the valley of Elah means the valley of God. Can I just tell you, you'd rather be in the valley with God than on the mountaintop of man's strength? Amen. But let me tell you what also it means. It means the valley of oak trees. And growing up on a, on a ranch, what I know about oak trees is the first years of an oak tree, they grow very slow. They just look weak and wimpy. It's just one little shoot. You can take it out compared to a bush. But within years, an oak tree, an oak tree will be a massive shelter for animals and, and people. It'll last for generations where a bush can be uprooted in a day, burned, or becoming a tumbleweed blowing across the countryside. You see, God's ways are different than our ways, and we already see a pro prophetic uh, foreshadowing of that in this story. Going on in verse 4, it says, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor, bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves. And a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighing 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. And Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? 
It's my giant voice. I am not a Philistine. Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Ha, 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 ha. I added that for emphasis. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. You see, today we're going to be uh, writing up two different lists. We're going to be making two lists to understand how to slay giants. The first list is going to be this, how giants can stop us. If you have a piece of paper on the left side, write a column, how giants can stop us. And we're going to fill out this list. On the right side, write how we can slay giants giants. Let me just tell you that the first way that giants try to stop us is by intimidating us with how they look. Giants intimidate us by looking impenetrable, by looking impossible. And let me just tell you, if you're a man or woman of of God trying to follow his ways, you're going to face giants. I've faced numerous giants in my life. Many of you have heard the story of my heart condition that knocked me out of all sports and took me out of school, put me on my back, and just suffering for a couple of years with this heart problem that seemed impossible. I've had financial issues where God was calling us to move in, into the inner city in our former position in, in Texas and, and called to, to go to the inner city and buy a piece of land and build a house. But the problem was we had no money and, and this guy was opposing us and wouldn't sell this land to us and was coming against us. You know, I've had had giants that uh, was, a, was a group that started writing this kind of tabloid about me, trying to destroy my ministry, accusing me of, of ridiculous things and trying to discredit us. We'll, we'll face giants in our life when we try to do the will of God. Today, I want to be a little more vulnerable, and I'm going to share with you one of the biggest giants over the last 10 years, which has been my battle with anxiety. You know, it started this way. We had just moved to San Diego to plant All People's Church. We had just started meeting in a small group in my house, six houses from San Diego State. A group of students had come to the Lord. They had been a big party group. They were all San Diego State athletes. And as God got a hold of their life, they, they stopped their big partying and stopped sleeping together. And all of a sudden, all they wanted to do was worship God, come to church, be in small groups, go into the inner city and share the gospel with us. And you know, their parents couldn't understand. Their parents started saying, what did you do with our kid? You must be brainwashing them. We thought, we're not brainwashing them. God's washing every part of them. He's going way beyond brainwashing. (laughs) But they couldn't understand why their kids were changing so much. So they started accusing us. Meanwhile, There was one elderly couple that came into our church. And, you know, we're brand-new church planners, so we were so thankful when someone with gray hair came in. We were so proud. And all of a sudden, we found out that they were trying to do this kind of hoax uh, business scheme to to use us. They weren't interested in worshiping with us. They were just trying to use us to to get to people. And I found myself having to confront them and saying, "This, this church and our people will not be used for your financial profit. Well, in the midst of that, I had one businessman, just one businessman and his wife, my, my, my one middle-aged couple. And I'm meeting with him, and he starts talking to me about how he's gone into a deep depression and how he's, he's suffering. And, 
I had just gone meeting with him. All three of these things are happening in one week, and I'm driving back in my car from, from meeting with him, and the, the symptoms he had described to me started happening to me. started feeling shortness of breath. I started feeling panic come over me. My vision started going black from the sides. I was having an anxiety attack or a panic attack. I'm driving the car while this, everything's blocking out. I, I can't keep my breath. I'm thinking I'm going to run off the road. I, I'm not going to make it. You see, it was a giant of an anxiety attack. <coughs> Last week, I, I felt like we should pray for those dealing with anxiety. About a third of the room raised their hands. I want to tell you, if that's you today, this message is for you. But you know, maybe you're, you're giant something else. I want to tell you, as we listen to the scripture and apply its practices, God gives us a recipe for slaying giants. You know, when, when they looked at David, he was a tiny shepherd. When you look at Goliath, there, there were four verses spent def- explaining what he was like. You know, he had this helmet that you, you couldn't take him out by his head. He had a, a breastplate, and, a, and his back was covered with, with, with sheet, and, and his, arm, his legs had metal greaves, and he had a, a spear and, and, a, and a, a shield in front of him and a big sword. It, just everything about him looked impossible. Verse 12. Now David was the son of an Epaphrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. If you want more context, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the message from last week as I painted this scene. Listen to verse 15, though. It's very important. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward, this is Goliath, came forward every morning and evening and took a stand. Now Jesse said to his son, David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock of the carer uh, left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up, and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to the battle, its, its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. You know, in these eight scriptures right here, we find the first key to slaying your dragon, and it, <laughs> slaying your dragon, that would be a great movie, slaying your giant, and it might be a little surprising, and that key is this, stay a servant. Never stop being a servant. Uh, th- this is a little surprising because what David does, I don't think most of us would have done. You, if you remember last week's sermon, if you remember 1 Samuel 16, David was out in the sheep pen when the prophet Samuel comes to anoint a new king. He picks David and anoints him as the next king of the whole nation. And then if you did your homework and read the last, uh, the last part of the chapter, you saw that David all of a sudden was pulled from the sheep pen to the palace to be the palace musician. It's like David just won Israel's Got Talent. 
right? And, and, and he just got pulled from, from anonymity to being the most famous guy in town, put in royal robes. All of a sudden, he has the recording contract in all of Israel. He is like the voice of Israel, and, and, and he is there. And what does he do? He doesn't think that being a shepherd's too lowly. It says this in verse 15. He goes back and forth from the king's palace to being a shepherd. Can I just tell you that there's no job too lowly for you and me? We, we always need to stay a servant. And so here he is. He's been anointed the next king, and his dad calls him and says, Hey, David, I need you to run some bread to your brothers. Hey, and take that cheese tray too. Right? I mean, what's the first act of David after he's been anointed king? Take a cheese platter to the army, David. And I love it. It says he gets up early in the morning and does it. I was telling my kids this week, we were doing our family devotional. I said, we had the most wonderful example of someone staying a servant in your grandfather, in your, in your papa, Steve Herman. Many of you know him in our church. He, he leads our school of transformation. He's our Caleb's own pastor. What you might not know about Steve was he was a nationally known transportation attorney before he came here to do this. And, and what you also probably don't know is that he made millions of dollars in real estate beforehand, before coming and doing this. But what I love about Steve is he doesn't make those things known. And he's always serving. And, and the fact was that when we had to move from San Diego State to here and get this building ready fast, he goes and volunteers to take the job of scrubbing the toilets. He is the best toilet scrubber I've ever seen, by the way. <laughs> but you know, as long as I've known him, that's what he's done. I've seen him clean more floors. I've seen him paint more walls. I've seen him move more people. Now, if you're moving this week, don't get any ideas. But I've seen him serve people more than anyone I know. You know, if you've ever talked with him, you know his IQ is like genius level. You've only understood about half the words he says to you. But here he is, always staying a servant. You know, when we stay a servant, we resemble Jesus. When we stay a servant, we mirror Jesus to the world around us. The Bible says about Jesus that he didn't come to be served. Here's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And it says he didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Oh, so amazing. But the other thing about staying a servant is you put your place, you, you put yourself in a place to be promoted. People are always moving from job to job because they want something better. Can I tell you, the way to be uplifted is to go down low and to serve. People move from friendship group to friendship group. I'm looking for cooler friends. People move from church to church. They move from city to city, always looking for something better. Can I tell you the way to get to something better is to go lower? God's way is to serve. The Bible says, humble yourself and he will lift you up. Jesus was a servant and therefore he was exalted to the highest place. Slaying a giant comes to those who serve. Here we go, verse 23. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lions and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the, the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him, 
what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came only to watch the battle. You know, this brings us to the second way that giants try to stop us. And that is by hurting us through what they say. Giants try to stop us by speaking harshly to us, by hurting us through their words. So Goliath is taunting David, and when he speaks to the Israelites, they all run from him. They're afraid of him. That, that's the thing. The enemy does not play fair. When I had this anxiety attack, I'm driving down the road, I'm having this anxiety attack, immediately the enemy starts speaking to my mind. And he's saying, you're not going to make it. You're not going to survive this. And then he starts speaking this. If you're dealing with this when there are not even 50 people in your church, how will you ever deal with it when there are 500 people in your church? You can't even handle this small little church. You might as well give up. Enemy ever told you to give up before? He loves to, to speak to us. These giants love to come against us and tell us, you're not good enough. You're not going to survive this, this sickness you have. Your marriage isn't going to make it. Your kids are not going to walk with Jesus. Your finances are devastated. You're not, you're not good enough, right? And if it's not just the giant speaking to him, then his brother comes and starts speaking to him. You know, have you ever had that? You're in a crisis, and then someone comes and goes, oh, man, you are, you're toast. You're like, this, this is David's older brother. If anyone should, should love him, it's his older brother. What does his, what does his older brother say to him? His older brother says he burns with anger at him. Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep? He, you know what the enemy tries to do is, is question our motives. Like, why are you here? You shouldn't be here. And then he belittles us. Who did you leave those few sheep? You're not even a good shepherd. Like, not only are you a shepherd, David, you just have a few sheep, right? You loser. You're a shepherd with a few sheep, right? And who did you? And then look at what he does. Then he attacks his character. I know how conceited you are. But poor David, he just showed up with a cheese platter, and he's getting called conceited. I mean, come on, he's come, to, he's come to a way. He's just taking care of some fluffy little white sheep and has a cheese platter, and he's getting called conceited and wicked. He's like, what in the world? This is how the enemy plays. This is, this is what he does. And we can't listen to him. You can't listen to the enemy when he says you're not going to make it. You have to say, no, I know that all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. He says, no, you're going to be defeated. You're going down. You say, no, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. Right? You say, oh, I can't handle it. I'm going to die. And then you have to remind yourself, no, the Bible says he won't give me more than I can handle. Right? You, you have to remind yourself of the truth of God. But, but let me tell you the second key I see because maybe it's a little surprising to you. Verse 26 unpacks it. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for this man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Let me tell you the second key I see to slaying giants is live loyally. Live loyally. And why do I say this? Because if David was just into preserving his own life, he would have turned and run. 
Right? He would have been out of there. Why? Because there's a giant about to kill you. But that's not who David was. David was loyal to God. He, he, he wanted to see God glorified. And David was loyal to Israel. And so when someone was disgracing his people, he said, uh-uh, those are my people. Right? Uh, who, who is going to defy the armies of Israel? He was loyal. And a loyal person stays and fights. If you're in it just for yourself and your own nice little fluffy life here in San Diego, every time a giant comes, you're going to take off the other direction. But if you're loyal, you'll actually step in to the battle. You'll actually step up and say, you're not messing with the people of God. That's what I'm praying for in this church is that we have people that don't just care about their own little lies, but you say, I want to see God glorified in my city. I want to see the people of God built up into a beautiful bride that's transforming this region and deploying people all over the world to see transformation in the nations. And you say, but, but you know, what have the people of God done for me? I, I'm loyal to, to people who are loyal to me. Can I just tell you, what have the people of God done for David? David's dad, the prophet came into town to his house. David's dad left him out with the sheep. And then his brothers, they're harassing him. And the army doesn't accept him. They just make him the cheese boy, right? David could have said, no, I, I, I don't want anything. All you jokers, you, you know, you deserve to get beat up by this giant. You know why David was loyal? Not because people deserved it. David was loyal because we have a loyal God. And he was filling David with his love and his heart and his hunger for his glory and his desire to see the people of God be all they're called to be. Let me ask you, do you desire for the people of God to be all they're called to be. If you do, you will stand up and fight giants. Live loyally. I, uh, driving down the road, and, you know, when, when the enemy's lying to you, and, and you're dealing with that kind of anxiety, you, you, you just think, man, I, I just, I should just give up. Like, why, why do this? Why come into this area? Why try to reach these students? They, they don't even appreciate it. The parents are coming after me. Like, I, I hope their lives change, and the parents are attacking me for having their kids stop partying. And, and, and I'm having to confront people, and I'm, I'm trying to counsel people. And Why don't I just leave, and why don't I just forget about it? But, you know, I start remembering, no, I'm doing this for God. It's not about me and my comfort. And, and I'm doing this because I, I love people. And I'm seeing these people changed. And they're, and they're going to live out their kingdom destiny. You, you do it for someone else. And, and can I just tell you, when you live loyally, you attract loyalty. When you live loyally, you attract people's loyalty. And so I'm driving down the road, and I thought, man, I, I need some friends. So I called Kendall, and I called Jonathan, our pastor down in, in, in Mexico, he was with us in San Diego at the time. And I called them and I'm like, guys, I am wigging out. I'm dealing with anxiety. And they said, we're stopping everything we're doing. We're coming to get you. We're taking you out, out to the country. We're going to get some fresh air. We're going camping. Praise God. <laughs> and we sat around that campfire. They said, we're just going to start worshiping and we're going to pray for you, Robert. Some of you have heard that story where we're just worshiping and praying and the presence of God descended. And he just removed that, that anxiety right off me and replaced it with joy and power. Can I tell you, we, we need a loyal people because when you come together, God shows up. Yes. David said to Saul, this is verse 32, if you want to track with me. David said to Saul, let no one lose. 
lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a young twerp. Uh, it says young man, but that's what he meant. <laughs> He's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has, has been, um, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and a bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, um, go and the Lord be with you. <laughs> this is our, our third key for slaying giants. Tell your testimony. Never stop telling your testimony. Never stop talking about what God's done for you. It reminds you of who God is, and it brings glory to him in the world around you. Never stop telling your testimony. David said, hey, hey, you know that giant? I've actually had to fight some giants before. Like I was a little shepherd boy, and a lion came. Now, now just pause. I'm, I'm a parent, right? We would never do this as parents nowadays. Like, we would never have our kids in shepherding class and actually let a lion come, right? We would, we would helicopter parents, swoop our kid up, and give him a participation trophy for shepherding. We would never let a kid fight a lion or a bear. But, but you know what? Praise God that David had fought a lion. Praise God that he had fought a bear because he had already fought some little giants, so he was ready to fight a big giant to save his country. Now, this is an important point. You got to catch this. God lets some giants come into our life so that we can overcome them through his power, so that we can face bigger giants, so that we can win battles for his people. You know, the only way you get strong is by fighting. And so God lets giants in your life. He never gives you a giant bigger than you can handle. And you take down one giant, and it gives you strength. And you say, you know what? God showed up. A lion showed up, and I grabbed it by its hair, and I struck it and killed it. That is a bad little boy right there. Right? A little John Mark on the front row, my son. That would be so cool to see him go like, <laughs> right? To some big lion. Right? And so all of a sudden, he's saying, hey, God's already used me to take out a lion. This Philistine's going to be the same thing for me. Never stop telling your testimony. There's power in your testimony. And you know what we're going to see later on? Is that all of a sudden, David's going to have all these friends, and all of them are going to be giant slayers. Why? Because they heard their friend talk about when he took out a giant, and they said, well, if he did it, I can do it too. He was just a little punk kid. You follow me? Never stop telling your testimony. Never stop telling of what God has done. Let me tell you the last way the giants try to stop us. It's found in verse 38, 39, and 40. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on a sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I, I can't go in these, he said to Saul because I'm not used to them. He took them off. And then he took his shepherd's staff in his hand 
chose five smooth pebbles from the stream and put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his kitty sling in his hand, he approached the Philistines. Now, this is Robert Amplified version. The, the last way that giants can stop us is if they trick us into fighting their way. If they trick us into fighting their way, can I just tell you, if we try to fight our giants in the ways of the world, we'll fail. This is the temptation. Now, David, he's amazing. He's already said, I'm not going to be intimidated by what I see. I'm not going to be intimidated by what I hear. He's about to go into battle, but here's the last test. Fight a giant with giant's armors. Right? If you remember last week, Saul was a giant. He's just a smaller giant, but he's somewhere between 6'9 and 7'5. So he's a massive guy. And we got David, this young boy out here. And all of a sudden, Saul's like, well, if you're going to fight the giant, then you need my giant armor. So he puts it on, and all of a sudden, David's like, hey, disappears, right? Hey, I can't do it. You know? <laughs> and he realizes, I can't do this. This, this is a, isn't my deal. Can I just tell you that no book written at the time on how to fight giants would have given David the advice that, that he took, which is, no, don't wear any armor. Go get your little shepherd's staff. Go get your little kitty sling. Go pick up some pebbles and go out to fight the biggest warrior in history. But can I just tell you that that was the only way to beat the giant because it was the only thing the giant wasn't prepared for. You ever thought about that? A little stone being thrown by a sling was the only thing that Goliath hadn't thought of. Oh, he was ready with his big helmet for a sword to come. He was ready with his chain mail for a spear to poke him. He, he had a big shield in front of it that would keep someone from stabbing him with a javelin, but he wasn't ready for a tiny pebble. Do you know that God's ways are not our ways? God works in mysterious ways. You don't just take what other people have done. Don't just take what the world says that you should fight with. So here's the last key for slaying a giant. Utilize God's unique strategy for you. You know, the thing about a giant is it's an opportunity for you to have greater intimacy with God. Because you don't know what to do. So you're forced to draw near to him and say, God, God, I need help. God, what's the plan? I got to hear your voice. Giants make us desperate for communion with God. And when you commune with God, it transforms your life. Watch this. This is, this is so beautiful. It says, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy. Here's that phrase again, glowing with health. Do you know that when you get close with God, when you go drawn near to him, you start glowing with health. That's what this series is about. You draw near to God in the midst of your challenges, in the midst of your pain, and you start glowing with health. Health is not the absence of problems. Health is meeting with God in the midst of the trials of life. That was good. Health. You hear me? Health is not the absence of problems. If I could just get every single thing perfect, then I'll be healthy. No, everything's not going to be perfect. The Bible says in this world you will have trouble. The question is, will you meet with God in the midst of your trouble? If you do, you'll be glowing with health. About to start preaching. Yeah, at the end of the, this summer, 10 years later, I, I start dealing with the same thing. I, 
I, um, I'm going on these three overseas trips, and, and, and nothing makes me deal with anxiety more than knowing I'm getting on a 14-hour plane ride in a tiny little seat. I'm kind of a tall guy and going to be cramped in there and then be in rough sleeping environment. I'm going on this trip to the outback of Mongolia and then Guatemala, then Thailand, and I'm like starting to wig out, and I'm getting anxious about my anxiety. Okay, have, has that ever happened to you? You're fearful of being fearful? Like, we're just weird as humans, right? I am, I, and it's all I can think about. I'm just dealing with all this anxiety. And, and I hear this gentleman talking about taking these high-powered uh, drugs for anxiety. Not illegal drugs, but just a high-powered medication for anxiety. And I just think, you know what? That, that's just it. I'm so tired of fighting. I, I just want to take that way out, and, and, and maybe that's it. Because I'm just sick of fighting this fight. And, and, and hear me. I am a fan of doctors. We have amazing doctors and nurses in this church, and I take prescriptions and send sick people to hospitals, and I, I, I believe in that. But here was the point. I was tired of fighting my fight. And so I heard this, and I just thought, you know what? I'm going to do that. I, I just want to do that. And, and, but I, I went and talked to my wife. I said, Steph, I'm, just, I'm dealing with anxiety like crazy. And heard this man talk about this. Maybe I should just go and get that. And she looks at me, and she goes, you know what? That's not what you're supposed to do, Robert. God wants to carry you through this. I think you need to press into the Lord. I looked at my wife. I'm like, why are you always right? <laughs> Any of you men have a wife like that? Like, there, yeah, a few of you. If you're not raising your hand, you should raise your hand real fast. Uh, <laughs> a little marriage conference all of a sudden. Raise your hand, man. All you. <laughs> so, so what I do? I went and got my five smooth stones. I went, I went down to the river of life, got in the word of God, opened the book of Joshua, and got my five smooth stones. Got some verses, and I wrote them down on note cards, and I started memorizing them, and I started putting them in my pocket, and, and, and I want to tell you, that giant of anxiety came. He came strong. He came speaking to me. And you know what I did? I took my little note card and I started slinging those verses. <laughs> Do not be afraid. Do not be terrified. For the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. Do not let this word of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. I was just, I'm just quoting it. I'm throwing it. I, you know, I didn't throw five smooth stones. I threw 5,000. I'm like, my kids are looking at me. Dad's going crazy. He's talking to himself again. No, I'm talking to the enemy with my five smooth stones. I remember one night, it was bad. I mean, the, the enemy was attacking, and I just kept quoting, and I was saying them out loud. And you know, in the midst of that, it was, it was like, and I could see it in my mind's eye, these huge, loving, warm arms come and wrap around me. This, this communion, this friendship, this intimacy, like few times I've ever known. And the anxiety went away, and I just went right to sleep. And by the end of my trip, I wouldn't deal with any anxiety anymore. And can I tell you, by God's grace, from that point on, I've been on all kinds of planes, on all kinds of trips, and that anxiety is not coming and creeping its ugly head. That giant is gone. Can I just tell you, God wants to partner with you to slay your giant. God wants to slay your giant. He, he, he wants you to step into that place of service. He wants to he wants to 
you to live loyally with the people and say, you know what, I'm not just going to run because it's worth it fighting for your glory and, and, and the people of God to rise up. I want you to tell your story. Tell what God has already done. Just speak it out. It'll bring glory to him and it'll remind you how good God is. And then utilize your own strategy that God gives you when you draw near to him in communion and watch the giants fall. Watch this. Verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Hello, shepherd. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. When we fight a giant and overcome, the world can see the glory of God. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Can I tell you, when something comes against my kids, it gets me right with it. I'm not going to let my kids go into battle by themselves. Daddy's showing up, right? Do you know that's what God's doing for you? He says the battle's not yours. It's the Lord's. You're God's kid. He's not going to leave you alone. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. 49, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it, struck the Philistine on the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand up with me? God wants to slay giants today. God wants you to step in to the battle today. Some of us have been running away. Would you just close your eyes right now and just pray with me? Father, today we're the people of God. And I know all over this room that there's different ones fighting giants or fighting relational problems, fighting financial problems, fighting physical problems, fighting personal problems, fighting mental problems, fighting addiction problems. Lord, we thank you that your arm is not too short to save, but that you say the battle is not yours, but it's God's. I just want to do this. I've done this in the last two services. If you are fighting a giant today, if there's a giant standing before you, would you just raise both hands to the Lord? It's a universal sign of saying, I surrender. You're saying, God, I surrender fighting my own battle. I'm going to let you come and fight this battle for me right now. And you just bring that battle. You just see that battle in your own mind's eye, right? You just see that giant. And I want you to look at that giant and say, God is bigger. So I want you to look right at that giant of finances and say, God is bigger. I want you to look right at that giant of a sickness and say, God is bigger. I want you to look right in your relational brokenness and say, God is stronger. I want you to look at that brokenness or that addiction today and say, God can set me free. You just take that giant today and you lift that up before the Lord. You lift that up before the Lord. He is a giant slayer. And when a giant shows up, God raises up people to take them down. That's who you are. You're an overcomer today. Lord, I'm praying for everyone with their hands up. If you're standing next to someone and you don't have your hands up, just place your hand gently on their shoulder and you just start praying under your breath. We're an army. We're the army of God. We're standing with each other today. Father, I pray over this room that you would strongly support those whose hearts are wholly yours. God, I pray that we would hear tomorrow 
or next week or in the weeks to come of the ways that you defeated giants and that you would be glorified by how you moved in our lives.